This is Milky and Honey, episode one. We're Kyle and Whitney. And so this week we had a lot of different traditional things going on because it was the week of uh, Ash Wednesday, kind mm-hmm. of the beginning of the Lenten season. Mm-hmm. Um, and it might come as a surprise to a lot of people that we're talking about Ash Wednesday and Lent and we are very not Catholic. <laughs> There's a lot of misconceptions out there about who all celebrates Ash Wednesday and Lent. Um, I think the a lot of Christians, actually, it surprises me how many people don't understand who who celebrates what and uh, that it's not just rooted in Catholic tradition and just because they haven't been celebrating it in their church, it doesn't mean that it's something that you have to disagree with. I yeah. Then see a lot of defensiveness. And I'd probably get some flack from the Catholic church for saying this, but there's some of that is, uh, there's a bit of this case of kind of hijacked history that's mm-hmm. gone on there where they will say, you know, Peter was the first Pope. Well, Pope <laughs> wasn't a title that first century Christians were, really into cognizant of or used Mm -hmm. it it didn't really show up till somewhere around the 300s ad uh so it's there's a whole bunch there where the catholic church has retroactively claimed some church history um and meanwhile at that constantinian swap over Mm. there's a whole bunch of church fathers that would look forward on that if they were alive and go, whoa, we really changed a whole bunch here. Right. Well, and there's a lot that they didn't understand to begin with. So the way they've borrowed things or how they've attributed certain meanings to certain things has been misguided because they didn't understand what was going on originally in like the first century Mm -hmm. in, in Judea. And then in turn, that misunderstanding and a lot of the, the misunderstandings, looking back, they are fueled by prejudice mm-hmm. and persecution. Because mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the loss of the roots that we should have from that first century Acts account uh, are missing because of <laughs> anti-Semitic uh, right. thoughts and practices right. from three, four hundred and onward. Well, there's uh, actually a lot of interesting back and forth that goes on there because mm-hmm. the way that um, temple life in Jerusalem treated those who were claiming their Messiah as Jesus, right. they fought against that. And so there was some persecution of Christians from the Jews to begin with. And then it became a backswing the other direction where right. you had Christians then persecuting the Jews. And so both misguided. Yeah, that you had. <laughs> Christians ejected from Jerusalem prior to the fall of the temple because of that ongoing uh, temple based uh, or I should say temple centric uh, persecution of Christians. Um, And then, yeah, it swung back the other direction. Uh, And it's just kind of been this back and forth of really not living up to God's mandate to love each other. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I would say that continued in with the Catholics and the various flavors of different Protestants all the way from even like the, the, I'm going to say it wrong, probably that the Waldesians, um, where they have these tenets of 
hey, we need to. When was the Waldesians? That's one that I, I mean, that's a more recent thing that I've learned about. Right. And I don't know. And I want to say that's late 1200s is where that begins. Okay. Um, and they lived under intense persecution, being called heretics and being pursued mm-hmm. um, for around 700 years before Calvinists ran into a Waldesian sect. And we don't have them today because when they ran into the Calvinists, they said, oh, yeah, we believe the same things. And they just melded together. together. Uh, And so the Catholics had been persecuting the Catholic Church, I should say, not the Catholics. (laughs) The people day to day very much. On um, how many people end up in a position of authority, you know, and you go, whoa, (laughs) and everybody sees this and they attribute this one person who didn't know Christianity to begin with. And everybody attributed it's attributes it to all of Christianity, even today. So like the Crusades, oh, look at the horrible things Christians do. And it's like, well, those weren't Christians to begin with. That was, they were not, that was not a thing that ever should have been. Entertain their claim to be Christians. It's a extremely well-funded and noble minority for the vast majority of those Crusade actions which there were, you know, it's not just a single, there were multiples and they each kind of unfolded with their own circumstances. Mm -hmm. But, uh, and very often it revolved around access to Israel for worship um, on both sides. There was animosity that went around that. But uh, so, yeah, even between Protestant, different Protestant movements and Catholic movements, or as the Catholics would have called them prior to the Reformation, you know, heretical movements, that persecution has really led us to have misunderstandings of each other's Mm -hmm. uh, practices and which parts do the Catholics get to really lay claim of as being Mm -hmm. purely Catholic and which part are uh, more generally Christian or borrowed out of first century or earlier. And then there's even... how often is it even that they're not, you know, (laughs) we're not fighting against anything here. We're just not asking enough questions to go... Well, what do they believe this is for? And what do they believe about this? What is this tradition about that they're doing right here? And is that something that I actually disagree with? I think we're Mm -hmm. defensive and ready to go. Well, I don't agree with this. This isn't how we do things. And so we over label. Yeah. And and with all the history and the persecutions and the misunderstandings Mm -hmm. and the labels, I think a lot of it boils down to, you know, that thing I say. If you want two men to hate each other, just draw an invisible line between them and tell them it's there and they'll do all the rest of the work. And Mm -hmm. so we've got this invisible line of Catholic, Protestant, Catholic, Presbyterian, Mm -hmm. Baptist, what have you. And, you know, telling everyone, hey, there's this imaginary line here between us and them. We do all the hating on our own because the hearts of men are messed up. (laughs) (laughs) And then that leads to we despise them. We despise everything they do. And then it's, oh, we can't do that. That's a Catholic tradition. We can't do this. That's a Jewish tradition. We can't do this. That's a Baptist thing. And we start cutting Mm -hmm. up our heritage and assigning it to groups that, uh, in all honesty, don't really hold any claim. It was handed down to them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's just everything tradition. It's, do you get to lay claim of it? Or, you know, is it something that you want to adopt? Yeah. And then there's our perspective on many traditions is uh, it. I don't care so much how it started. Mm -hmm. It's what is it now and what does it mean to us? Because Mm 
uh, Jesus is bigger than any man-made institution practice uh, or tradition. And he's perfectly capable of redeeming anything. Right. Um, when we talked about and studied Passover with our church, that was one of my questions is, you know, this point where God tells them to sacrifice lambs on their behalf. Is this the first time people ever sacrificed a lamb? You know, certainly not. No. Sheep had been sacrificed for many, many years before that. Um, and not always or even often to God, mm -hmm. but God didn't shy away from a sacrificial system just because it had been abused or misused elsewhere. He mm -hmm. was confident enough in his power to redeem it mm -hmm. um, and use it to point to his redemptive plan. Mm -hmm. uh, and we can have, I believe it's fine for us to have a similar attitude about all traditions that mm -hmm. we can look at it and go, okay, is this redeemable? But does it point to God's redemption plan? Does it point to Jesus? Right. And if so, how do we celebrate that in a meaningful way? Right. Well, that's a question we can't, we can't avoid in our house because our, you know, especially our oldest, Andrew is so literal and he wants to know the reason we do everything, which is mm -hmm. fun. And it's, it's a challenge for us in a good way because it helps us distill down, well, why are we doing this? Mm -hmm. And so we can't do any kind of tradition without going, well, why, what is this? Why, what are we celebrating when we do this? And right. that brings a lot of things really into perspective when you're having to explain it to a kid who wants to understand what's it for. Mm -hmm. And you don't, you can't even think of a reason. So then you kind of go, well, why am I doing this? <laughs> you know, and it's not that it can't be something for, it's just for fun. But how much emphasis do we put on it when we say, oh, it's just for fun? Mm -hmm. You know, thinking, thinking St. Patrick's Day is coming up. Yeah. That's one where, you know, we'll, we, we can talk about, um, you know, him bringing Christianity to Ireland and a little bit of the history there and talking about the Trinity and stuff. That's a good opportunity to do that. But we wear green so we don't get pinched. And that's about where it ends for, you know for our family. I, what else would anybody say about St. Patrick's mm -hmm. Day? And then that being said, you know, there's also, you know, been, I've had people do accusations of, well, green is this, and it has ties to this pagan thing. And then uh, so you're participating in paganism. Uh, and or again, the, the Catholic versus Protestant thing of, yes, oh, you have to wear orange because you're a Protestant and you only wear green if you're Catholic. Right. And a lot of those, you know, it's funny because from like a computer science or information systems perspective, all of those are protocols. And I have to have that protocol in order to read what's being inferred. So they're saying you're inferring this. And it's like, well, but I, that's not the protocol I'm using. Right. It can mean something completely different to me. And that's understanding how we encode our messages <laughs> most, is so important. Most people seeing someone wear orange on St. Patrick's Day is going to go pinch them. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, we're not going, oh, what does this mean at that level for mm -hmm. that kind of thing? And especially at this in this part of our country where we're just very far separated from those kind of rifts. Yeah. Yeah, very true. Maybe it means something more in a different area of the world. And right. that's not something that we think on much here. So for us, it doesn't hold the meaning and we don't retain that. Mm -hmm. 
And that's just so human nature. We <laughs> see something, we interpret it through our lens mm -hmm. that we understand with our protocols that we've built up. Mm -hmm. And we just jump and jump to, uh, and it's very often, it's interesting to me how often it's, they jump to rebuke because they can see that you obviously don't understand it the same way they do, mm -hmm. but they move to try to enforce their understanding on you instead of trying to understand what you're doing first. Mm -hmm. and we're all so bad at asking questions. We are. <laughs> you know, we're, it's really quick to, to villainize a person and go, oh, I don't like what they're doing mm -hmm. without going, no, wait, can you, can you explain to me what that means or what that is? Because how often do we miss an opportunity? Because I know for like you and I, we, we have a reason we do everything. There's, we pack everything full of symbolism and meaning and you know, we don't get the chance to show it or say it to everybody. But if somebody was going, I don't like what they're doing, boy, if they asked, slowed down and asked us, well, why are you doing that? I'm okay with having to answer to that. It's okay that you don't agree and you don't like what I'm doing, but give me a chance to explain it because we actually have a reason for it. And I, how often am I missing the opportunity to learn more of what's going on? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess then Ash Wednesday for us, like I said, we're not Catholic, so it doesn't involve going to a mass. Um, we both grew up Lutheran and they right. do do it at Lutheran churches oftentimes. Mm -hmm. And I can't say if I recall if my parents really went to Ash Wednesday services when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. And they might not have had them. That's because, you know, it's kind of a hit and miss. Who, That's true. Who's the pastor and is he doing this or not? And uh, so at our house, things wind up working a little bit different. I know in some of the Lutheran traditions um, that you were around, uh, Ash Wednesday, they would take the palm branches from the previous year's Palm Sunday. Right. And they'd hang, hold those over uh, and then burn those. And that's the ash that they would apply mm -hmm. to the forehead. Um, and so for us, it looks a little different because we <laughs> kind of, we commemorate uh, Sukkot. Uh, which is the last of the Jewish feasts that happens around September to October of every year. Mm -hmm. And during that, I don't have my Bible out here, uh, but I think it would have it part of it, at least in Leviticus 23, it talks about all the feasts. And um, in that feast, one of the things that God tells them to do is take branches from these different kinds of trees. And so it ends up being um, a willow branch, a myrtle branch and a palm branch. And then also a citron mm -hmm. and they wave them in all six directions. So north, south, east, west, up and down. And as they're doing this, it's to um, recognize God's sovereignty over everything and that he's, you know, kind of the kingly um, perspective of he has authority over all of this. Mm -hmm. And so we, since we started celebrating um, some of these Jewish feasts because we see the richness that it has when we see that it's a, a shadow of Jesus and what he's doing. Mm -hmm. We've gotten a, they call it a, a lulav with yeah. these branches the mm -hmm. last couple of years. And it's those, they call them the four species of, and in, in scripture, I think what you'll actually find all it really says is, uh, 
wave these kinds of branches and beautiful fruit. Mm -hmm. um, and then fast forward that through a few thousand years of tradition and we get uh, the lulav, which we're like, you know, good enough. The intent of the lulav is to obey and participate in this command. So that's good enough for us. We can obey and participate in this command in the same way mm -hmm. modern Jews do through their tradition. None of it, right. uh, it hinders us yeah, as Christians. Right. Um, so we, we have that. And as you said, the uh, date palm mm -hmm. uh, frond is part of that. And so we save over that palm branch, which is waved to symbolize God's sovereignty, his mm -hmm. authority, his power over all things. Mm -hmm. uh, and we hold that over and it's, that's the source of the ashes that we use, which mm -hmm. I think is really appropriate because the ashes are symbolic of our humility and our mortality. Mm -hmm. um, so we have, I, I think that's such a cool contrast there that in the fall, in a celebration of harvest and all of God's provision and power and authority, and then we carry that through the winter mm -hmm. and before, for us, yeah. <laughs> before life springs from the earth in our climate, <laughs> uh, we use that memory of his authority to humble ourselves in preparation to mm -hmm. celebrate the new life, mm -hmm. uh, the, the fresh green that he brings about through Messiah that mm -hmm. Jesus enacted through those spring festivals. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause Passover will be, um, I believe it starts on the 8th of April, which is just a few days before Easter. And mm -hmm. it always will be because that's how Easter's, uh, the date for Easter's figured out based on when Passover starts. Mm -hmm. And so that's the, the beginning of the spring festivals. And I, I, the other thing I love about it is just thinking of that with Palm Sunday too, because that's what they were likely thinking of when Jesus came into Jerusalem on the donkey and they're waving the palm branches it's a recognition because they're thinking, here comes the king. Here's, here's the guy that's actually going to save us. And they're mm. expecting this, you know, conquering king that he'll be at the second coming, but that's not how he came the first time. And, right. and that idea of those branches that signal his, his kingdom and his sovereignty, we burn them, but it's, not the end it's to show our humility mm -hmm. and and um well yesterday was was right am i getting my days right yesterday was ash wednesday yesterday was yes, yes. <laughs> <I lost track. laughs> long week <laughs> but i love we um we put the ashes on earlier in the day and then and talk to the kids about the the symbolism of, of our sin and how we need to humble ourselves and the death that we would face um, were it not for Jesus. And then to finish off the day, we washed the ashes off together and talked about baptism and how he, he came and brought us new life out of this death. He wiped the death away off our foreheads, you mm -hmm. know, as you said. Yeah. And it's, that's one of the neat things with traditions is as long as you infuse it with meaning, it's such a multi-sensory way mm -hmm. to express these eternal truths mm -hmm. to, you know, 
on the one hand, we say to our children, but as we practice them, we're expressing them to ourselves yeah. at least as much yeah. as we are to our it kids. It makes my heart leap when I, you know, start to see some of these things and I get excited when then I read some, something in the Bible that resembles some of these, you know, things where, yeah. where I find extra meaning when I see, you know, them talking about the, the palm branches or something, you mm-hmm. know, it, it hits me differently because I got to participate in it. And there's something about celebrating a tradition around and in the presence of children. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I think some of it is just. Their enthusiasm is just fun. Well, and we, you know, we act like we grow up and we certainly grow and mature, but there's a lot of ways that we don't change all that much from being kids. Yeah. And we try to, we try to hide it. Like we pile it up inside and we're feeling it. It's bubbling, but we aren't expressing it as outwardly as kids often do. And that's mm-hmm. kind of fun because it's almost this permission to let it out, you know? Yeah. On for Protestants, you'll usually see it first um, around kind of that Christmas letdown mm. where they kind of, you know, they get to that adult age and then it feels like there's a lot of years that a lot of people spend just kind of chasing the nostalgia of trying mm. to get it to feel like it used to feel mm. and, you know, to get that magic back really stepping into the traditions purposefully with mm-hmm. children is like the the simplest way to reignite and maintain that mm-hmm. that awe that yeah. you feel around the yeah. season. Well, and I can't say because we still have kids, but I kind of wonder what it'll be like as an empty nester mm. to be able to, you know, pull certain things out, you know, decorations or let's make this kind of food at this time of year. You know, it's obviously different when your kids leave, leave home and that's, you know, natural. But I just kind of wonder putting so much intention into celebrating something with meaning, you know, a tradition, Yeah. how that will, you know, still keep that flame kind of going, mm-hmm. I hope. <laughs> and there's, there's some of it like, you know, when you're a kid, the traditions are being done to you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's all in a framework that your parents set up and mm-hmm. organize and deliver on. Uh, and there's something about that shift of becoming a parent and then you're the one creating the framework. Uh, in some ways, it's like we learn what our traditions mean for the first time mm-hmm. when we show them to our kids. Mm-hmm. And then year after year, yeah, they you're grow. you to explain it yeah. to them. So then you have to figure it out yourself mm-hmm. to be able to explain it. And, yeah. yeah. It's like all that time your parents told you about it was just practice so you'd have enough framework to begin teaching your own kids (laughs) and then it's neat because each year they grow and each year they change and each year the discussions and the conversations and the explanations of meaning get more sophisticated Mm. Uh, Mm -hmm. and so it's like we grow our explanations and appreciation alongside our children it's Mm -hmm. almost you haven't really experienced your own traditions until you've experienced them through the eyes of someone passing it to another right, generation. Right. Well, and gosh, you could even look at that without it being children, mm-hmm. you know, to share that with somebody else. Yeah. You know, pass it on to your church, pass it on to somebody that, you know, you're close to, to explain why you do things. It's, fu- it's funny how that often perks people up to ask them about, well, what do you guys do for Christmas? What are, mm-hmm. what's, what's something that you guys always do what's always in your stocking at Christmas or what kind of cookies do you 
feel like have to be there for it to mm-hmm. feel like Christmas or whatever, you know, those kind of things that people kind of light up and they enjoy talking about, well, this is how my parents always did it. And we always went here to this grandparents house or, you know, mm-hmm. and then coming out of, well, from Ash Wednesday, that's the kickoff of the Lenten season, which is 40 weekdays, basically 40 non Sundays yeah. till, uh, Easter. Easter. And so it turns out to be actually like 46 <laughs> actual days, but it's 40 non-Sunday days. Because mm-hmm. uh, following that traditional Catholic calendar, their day of rest where they take a Sabbath is the Sunday. Sunday. And, you know, yes, all you technically correct people out there on the Internet, we're well aware that's not, <laughs> that's Jewish, not the day that the it's original, been from creation. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but... Uh, on the other hand, it doesn't matter. It's it's the God that we honor, not right. the date of right. the Sabbaths. Because, and that's was one of the enlightening things as we dug into Jewish traditions and we start to realize how much contention you can have over days. Because mm-hmm. um, that's I've <laughs> I've had rather heated discussions <laughs> on with people on you know the the Passover. It says on the fourteenth at evening. Well, for their culture, the day starts at evening. So when it says on the 14th at evening, does that mean you go through the 13th, the sun sets, now it's the 14th at evening, so you do Passover then? Or mm-hmm. does it, you have that evening and then you sleep through the night of the 14th, you wake up, you go through the day of the 14th, and then at that sunset, now you do right. Passover, but it's technically on the 15th. And those kinds of well, discussions. This, is, this is probably mind-bending for a lot of people right. anyway, because this was mind-bending for me not long ago. The idea of some other kind of calendar. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. we read in our Bible the 14th, the first month on the 14th of the month. And I'm going, so how do we get Easter around here? Because that's January and right. we don't celebrate Easter in January. This makes no sense. Mm-hmm. But I didn't even realize or think about them having a different system for their calendar mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the different idea of when day starts or evenings, you know, mm-hmm. that, yeah. And that, you know, that Sabbath, how many people are so quick to jump on to be, you know, I think in most of it is this desire to be right, to have some secret knowledge. Yeah. It's actually Saturday. Yeah. And yet then they neglect the high Sabbaths. <laughs> so there's Sabbaths that are not Saturday Sabbaths. There's other Sabbaths mm-hmm. and those Sabbaths are very much tied to the climate and Mm -hmm. the agricultural year specifically around Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And when you start to break down those, then you can start to understand what Paul's talking about when he says, don't argue about the Sabbaths, guys. Yeah. Because when you live in Northern Europe, uh, the 14th of Nisan, which is the day for Passover, which is what our prototype for Easter, what we call Easter today, mm-hmm. is based on. Technically, it or, would be, what, Monday, Thursday? Right. Yeah. But <laughs> there, Easter week. There's yeah. a whole other argument. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it looks very different in Northern Europe than it does right. in the uh, the surroundings of Jerusalem. And it right. looks very different close to the equator. And it looks very different where we live. Mm-hmm. Um 
Well, going back to Sukkot. Sukkot is a huge one for yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, that's a f- harvest festival. They're harvesting grapes, right, I believe? And yeah, the grape harvest was mostly done and the olives are usually about halfway through. Yeah, and so it's it's a warm, you know, we think harvest where we live and we're talking, you know, end of July, early August-ish mm-hmm. and it's hot. But then we're talking the way they're talking about harvest in the end of September, yeah, into October. Into October, and actually, a couple of years ago, Sukkot. Was, well, and I should also say this with Sukkot, they actually build these booths or tent kind mm-hmm. of little things, sukkas. In the New Testament, you'll often see it referred to as the Feast of Booths, right? Depending on your chosen translation, and they do that to commemorate the time in the wilderness mm-hmm. and seeing through these palm branches again in different branches, uh, the ceiling to be able to see the stars and be reminded of it kind of relates to the Sabbath too, that they're mm-hmm. under God and they, uh, rest under him and trust him to provide what they need as they did in the wilderness. Right. And so when it's harvest time down there for grapes and whatnot, it's warm and they can do that kind of thing. But a couple of years ago for us on Sukkot, it, we had this ginormous snowstorm that mm-hmm. like completely bumped out the power for a good number of days and nobody could get around town because there was too much snow. There's no way we'd be outside. Forget about a booth with branches on it. The trees all lost enormous six inch limbs onto the ground because of the storm. And that's that's much more regular here. Uh, I would say we would be less than 50-50 for Sukkot so that we could be outside in a booth regularly. Right. If not snow, rain and just cold. Mm, And just cold, yeah. Uh, so those kind of things all factor into Paul going, Hey guys, don't worry so much Mm. about the specifics of the day on which you celebrate because God's the God of all days. And this is why the the meaning, yeah, the meaning in the heart of what you're doing when you do celebrate something and have a tradition around something, why are you doing it? Right. Because it's, if, if on Sabbath, all you do is avoid work then Sabbath is a celebration of laziness for you. But, <laughs> and that's so, it's so how, how we look at it, it our culture. Yeah. Uh, but when you realize that the reason you don't work is because you are trusting God to provide. Right. Uh, there's a Psalm that says the, the godly man sleeps in peace because as he sleeps, God provides for mm-hmm. him that mm-hmm. in our rest, we can trust God to provide because he's the source of all good things that we get. Mm-hmm. And that's what the Sabbath is about. It's mm-hmm. about us resting from our labor so that we understand that while we work hard and God commands that, mm-hmm. loves to see it, that's not what really provides, right. that it's God coming alongside our labor and it's out of his hand that all provision comes. Mm-hmm. And when that's your Sabbath, it doesn't really matter what day you do it, mm-hmm. so long as you take the time to pause and remember where all the provision comes from. My goodness, that is so relevant to where we live, a culture that we have, Mm because we are so self-sufficient and we really do have this attitude of, you know, work hard all the time. Don't be lazy, you know, make the most of what you got. And so that's a message that we all could use (laughs) that idea of, no, I need to slow down and I need to trust God with what I got. It's not wrong to take a break and realize that he's going to make the most of what I have, not me. Right. And so uh, we just had our 30 minute timer go off. So we've <laughs> talked it talked it out for <laughs> the half hour we set up for yeah. the, the podcast. But 
uh, some of the takeaways. It, it's interesting to me how we start this kind of talking about how we're doing a celebration and some people have kind of accused us of that's a Catholic celebration. That's not something for, you know, whatever label they stick on it, mm-hmm. evangelicals, Protestants, Christians. Uh, and, you know, we started off talking about this tradition that's um, at least in North America, primarily seen as a Catholic tradition. And you heard a whole bunch of references to Jewish traditions and feasts <laughs> coming from us. <laughs> and that's uh, with, you know, from our view, we, we honestly don't even like the terms old and new Testament. Yeah. You know, we like Tanakh and we're trying to come up with some it's other reasonable enough acronym the for gospels the gospels through revelation, whatever right. that group what would you the gospels acts epistles and part of that is because we don't like the idea of old sounds like it's worn out and we don't need it anymore and that certainly is not true the more we dig the more we find right old and (laughs) and old and new kind of it implies that there's this break where Mm -hmm. part of it is to be done away with and part of it is fresh Mm -hmm. and while there's a different expression. It's a continuation of God's redemptive story for all people mm-hmm. that, you know, if you go and approach things from that Jewish perspective, they were to be a light to all nations. When they made their atonement in their temple, that atonement was supposed to be an offer for all nations on God's throne and that the nations, their intent was that the nations would come and take part in that atonement. Mm-hmm. And that's no different than what we see with Jesus sacrifice mm-hmm. and him as that mercy seat Your light on a hill. Right. And that's, and it's echoed again and again and again, mm-hmm. and we miss it. We miss so much of the depth of why it's important that Jesus is serving as the lamb that was slain seated on the throne in heaven. He's got to be seated on a throne in heaven because that's what the mercy seat was. It was the seat of God. <laughs> We're getting into all we are. kinds of stuff. Uh, we get excited about this. So, yeah, we, we see scripture as a big contiguous piece with parallels and reflections back and forth throughout the centuries. Uh, so for us, a tradition that was celebrated for several thousand years with, you know, under a Catholic banner is just as ripe to express God's redemptive plan for humanity as the Passover story that was instituted some 4,000 years earlier. Mm-hmm. And we're good with that mm-hmm. because if, you know, that all things would be pulled together and pointed to God and his redemptive plan for people and just the glory of what Jesus Christ represents. So do you have any other takeaways? <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought we were going to maybe talk about Ash Wednesday more and we didn't. We really didn't. Yeah, we didn't, but that's okay. <laughs> there's always something more to say that's true that's if we if we let this go how long we usually would uh this would be be up for way too long of a podcast so we'll be up for a while and we're going to be tired tomorrow we keep it (laughs) bite-sized for us so with all that we want to say say thank you for joining us and listening to us kind of ramble on about traditions and history and all the different places our talk took us have a sweet week